Welcome to The Conversation from St. Patrick's Studio. My name is Brian Cannon. Our guest today, former NFL player, head coach, TV analyst, and now he is tearing it up as the head coach of the Arizona State University Sun Devils. Herm Edwards joins the conversation today. Coach, so much uh, thanks for being with us today. How are things in Sun Devil Nation? Well, like everywhere else, um, uh, there are landmines. <laughs> How you navigate the landmines every day is very important. And I think for the most part, uh, our university has done a nice job of and establishing a, a way that we can conduct our business as student athletes here. Um, and uh, with that being said, I think uh, you got to applaud all the athletes here on campus, as well as the coaches of, of what they have to go through just to uh, participate in the sport, uh, which is, which is a lot of navigation involved in it. Uh, but our medical professionals have done a fabulous job and, and the players that, that, that we have here have done a nice job of, of understanding the importance of uh, what we need to do to try to stay safe and keep others safe. Adaptability is the name of the game in just about any field that you're in right now. So speaking from my vast experience, as I'm sure you're aware, and all of our viewers, uh, I was a lockdown corner for two seasons at Marshall Ranch Elementary School. So I, I really know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. But in football, you can game plan all you want. Something is going to change. Right, so football is a game of both planning and adaptability. So that's kind of a metaphor for our life right now, as you've kind of brought out. What attributes in yourself, in your staff, in your players, do you try to cultivate to be able to cope with change, to be able to adapt? Well, I think I've always told players as well as coaches that um, a plan that can't be changed is a bad plan. And I think with that being said, um, when you're in sports and you've been involved in it your whole life, you know that there are gonna be certain things that happen. Uh, no fault of anyone, it's just part of what happens, right? It just, and how, how you adjust to that mentally is very important. I'm real big on keeping your composure, staying calm. Uh, you know, I, I, I like functioning in chaos because most people can't function in chaos. They let the chaos control their decision-making. And I think when, when the chaos starts, that's kind of when I'm at my best because I'm very, very calm. Uh, I understand the situation and I try to develop young men that way, not just as football players, but as men, because every day they're gonna think, they're gonna there's gonna things that happen to you that you have no control of, you don't know when it's coming and how you handle it and how you react to it, it says a lot about you. And, and I think the more we can stay calm and think about it, I've always said this, you can have passion, but you don't wanna get emotional. Because when you get emotional, you make bad decisions. You make that decision where you go, oh, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't make emotional decisions. Be passionate about what you do, but when the time to come to make the decision, you collect as much information as you can at that point in time and try to make a calm decision. So what are those young men who come to your program bringing to the table that you can work with and that you can mold to become a person that's like that? Well, I think the first thing they bring to you is a, is a wealth of talent. I've always said this, no coach in the history of coaching any sport has ever given a player talent. God gives them talent. 
we give them information. And I think you take that as like a piece of clay. How much are they willing, how much are they willing to give of themselves? You know, you, you, you gotta, you, you, in life, there's, there's, there's two sorts of people, people that are interested and people that are committed. Most people are interested. They're interested as long as it's going good. And then all of a sudden it's not going so good. You know what? I'm interested in something else now. You know, it, it, it's, it's like, it's like faith, right? To me, it's, are you a man of faith or you're not? Are you committed to it or are you interested? And, and you, you got, you got to pick, you got to choose. And for me, I've always told players, look, be committed to something. But it's hard for people to commit because most people now, they want to know the outcome before it happens. And if it looks like it's going to be good, I'll commit to that. No, 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 no. Commit from the beginning because that means you're all in. When you're all in, you can live with the consequences of what happens because you've committed to something. It's like our walk, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. And so I'm a big believer in when you want to try to accomplish something, you got to commit to it first. And most people are reluctant to do that. I'm a big culture guy. I believe in the, the, a strong culture in an organization. And when you are surrounded by other people, as you say, are committed. You know, I've, I've heard you talk about the huddle yes. before and the beautiful diversity of the huddle. You can have people of vastly different experience and backgrounds, but they trust one another because they belong to a culture of commitment. What do you do to foster that culture of commitment? Well, I think the first thing we've tried to do here is, is, is very, uh, very simple. Create a culture where your personality is okay. You can have a personality as long as it doesn't become bigger than the culture, right? Personalities and characters make up the world. In sports, it makes up the huddle. And you get all these players coming from different walks of life. Have, you know, they grew up different. They might have different opinions about things, but at the end, they know we, we can only coexist if we trust each other. And, and that's built over time. It's, it's trust. It's called, I can count on the guy to the left and count on the guy to the right. They're going to do their job. I can trust them. That's a culture you want to build. And when you build that culture, the players, they end up running the system. I've always said a player-run team is much better than a coaches-run team. You want the players to run it. You, you, you want to give them the ability to say, this is your deal. You go run it. I'll give you the directions, but now you got to run it. Then they have responsibility. They feel like this culture is something that I can flourish in, but I also I'm held accountable for Right. I mean, when they're held accountable for it, then it's a little bit different. Okay. They, they, they bought into it. You're, you're, you're accountable. You invested in it now. You got to get people to invest. That's hard. In a culture of accountability, I think that the traditional model, as, as you said, you know, you're looking top down, right? You're, you're looking for somebody ahead of you. But, but when it comes to peer to peer accountability, when you're empowering your student athletes to take that kind of role with one another, how, how does that accountability take shape? What does it look like? Well, some struggle with it early and some don't want it because it's too, it's too big of a burden. It's like, oh, no, 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 I don't want that. 
but when it becomes your culture, it's amazing how the young guys learn from the older guys, right? And the older guys are kind of the teachers. They, they kind of, they're the mentors of like, no, 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 we do it this way. You know, and, and they're going to be some, hey, look, you're going to hit some potholes. That, that's part of it. But I, I think as they hit potholes, they learn something about their self. They learn something about their teammates. And, and then it becomes one of these deals where you don't want to let people down. See, when you're held accountable, you don't want to let anybody down. It's like, I, 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 I don't want these people down. They're trusting me. I have an obligation to them. I've bought in. I've got some ownership in this. When people have ownership, they feel like, okay, now you got ownership in this. And now there's a, there's a, there's a different feeling when you feel like, you know what? I'm involved in this culture. I can help develop the culture. I've got ownership in this now. It's not my culture, it's our culture. I think when you can develop that, you're going in the right direction. To kind of pivot just a little bit, um, you know, in Catholic circles, we love to talk about marketplace ministry, <laughs> meaning that wherever you find yourself is an opportunity to live a life of discipleship um, to affect change. So what's it like for a young college athlete to discover that they have a voice that is capable of affecting change, that they can speak out for justice. I think in this past year, we've, we've seen that come, and it's always been a part of sports. Sure, sure, sure. But, but maybe even more so now for our college athletes to discover their voice, what's that been like? Well, it's been unique and, and it's been very, very um, eye-opening. Uh, and, and I have been humbled by their ability to use this platform in the correct manner. And, and our big deal here is to make sure that you're the voice of reason and you have solutions. Don't become a part of the problem. Think about what you say before you say it. Be a solution person. Be a person that brings people together. You have to have this conversation and the only way you can have a conversation with people, you actually have to be a good listener too. That's how conversations, be, because you know, you get something out of a conversation when you're a good listener, but the platform that young people have today, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because all it takes is the press of a button. And when you press the button, you don't get it back. And I, and I tell young people all the time, you know, you have this platform, that becomes your resume. And people look at that. That becomes a resume, your resume for the rest of your life. And they can find it. If you say it and it's out there, they're going to find it. And just so make sure that you understand before you say it, gather your thoughts, be the voice of reason, be a solution-orientated person, and be a good listener, then we got a chance. Did you feel that responsibility as a player? I did, but in the era that I grew up in, if you took that step, sometimes you reprimand. That's not the case anymore. You know, you hear this all the time, and, and I, I almost laugh at it. When athletes from any venue, whether professional, college, there are some that say, I don't want to hear that. Dribble the ball, throw the touchdown, tackle the guy, run fast, make the basket, 
but don't talk about anything like that. And I tell athletes this, being an athlete, that's your occupation. That's not who you are. Don't let athletics define who you are. That's your occupation. No different being a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a minister, whatever, you, whatever your occupation is, that's your occupation. But don't say because you're an athlete, you don't have a voice. You have a voice and you can use it. You can use it. And I think sometimes you know, we put people in boxes. Say, well, you shouldn't have a, a, a yeah, yeah, that's your right. You can speak. But I always say, speak from a place of knowledge and speak of a place to bring people together. That's important, in my opinion. I think during this time apart where we've been socially distant, physically distant, whatever you want to call it, it's taken an awful lot away from us, but it's also given so much to us too. There, there is virtually no chance I'm sitting here talking to you today if it were not for this pandemic that we're, we're going through. How has that affected your community um, at, at the university? And what would you like to keep after we emerge from this that we've learned? Well, I think the thing that has made us understand is that we all had to adjust and our ability to adjust is critical. And now we've done that in a sense. Um, there is a lot of, you can look at it either way. You can have a lot of noisy time because all of a sudden Zoom becomes a part of your life. And you know what? It's easy to connect with people now. It, it almost can be a detriment. <laughs> Before when you wanted to have meetings, oh, I got to schedule it. Now it's like, hey, you don't even have to come. You could just, it's amazing how many Zoom, how more people, well, coach, you don't even have to come. Right before I used to do things for events for people, I'm like, well, you know, well, I can't coach. It's even easier now. So now you get more, you get more people calling. Can you come on Zoom? Right. There's something to say about that, but I still, I still feel this way. There's a connection when you can feel people in your presence. That that, that that's how we function. That, that, that that's how that, that's how we're we grow up that way. Our whole society is built that way of you, of you function with each other. There's this, there's this dance that we do, right? Because you're around people. Well, now you're around people, but most of the time when you're around them, you're wearing a mask, right? And, and there's this distancing that you have to have, right? There's this, there's this responsibility that we say, it's not about me, it's about you. It's about my neighbor, I'm protecting my neighbor. And most of us understand that. Some of us feel the other way, and that's fine. That's America. I get that part, and I'm not trying to, you know, get a debate going. But how we've functioned in this, it's not surprising, because we adapt. And if you don't adapt in life, you can't survive. Now, did we do we anticipate this would be a year long? It's a year, it's going to be a year here, March, right? And we've all kind of it's become, and I hate to say this, it's become kind of normal which I don't like this normal. Now there's some things that, that are good about it, right? You have to learn to communicate now on monitor, whether you like it or not. You, you gotta learn to press a button now to see people. I mean, it, before I could just call them up, I could have a meeting. Now everybody's on a monitor. You know, you, how do you schedule all the Zoom meetings you have? You know, 
People can get a hold of you now. It's like, you can't get out of it anymore. Oh, I'm busy. I got to be, no, 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 no. We can get you on Zoom. You know, so, you know, how do you adjust your schedule? Um, it's hard to do it uh, in sports. You know, I haven't had a meeting with the whole team in the building in one room in a year. The offense is in one room, the defense is in another room, and I'm on a monitor. So this is not a social distancing sport, by the way. I've noticed, yeah. <laughs> it's just not. It's not built that way. But we've right. all had to adjust. Um, I'll be glad when we can all come back together. But right now, we do things a lot in individual departments, and, and that's how you function. You know, and it's just, it's we got to do it that way for a while still. It's like that in church life too. I mean, when when you when you come to a congregation and you're used to having 1,200 of your closest friends shoulder to shoulder next to you, and and church looks a little bit different right now. Well, but like you said, you you know you adjust. No, but yeah, talk a little bit about the impact on your faith life and 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 how your discipleship is impacted right now. Well, you know, earlier we were going to mass right here on campus, um, and um, it was nice because we would just have a whole role for ourselves, right? And then it got bad again, and it kind of shut it down. And so now we're on Sundays for the most part we're on the monitor, right? <laughs> we're, we're watching mass on the monitor, and that's hard because there's no, you know, you know, it's beautiful, but there's something about going to mass, and you can feel it you can feel just the presence of it all, right? It's a little more disconnected when you watch it on a monitor. You know, it's, for some reason, it's just a little more disconnected. You, you still get the word, you understand what the word's about, you, you try to live by those principles, you know, but, but when you go in there, there's this sense of you're in a place where it's, it's very, to me, it's very calming when, when you go to math, for me personally. You know, that, 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 that's, that's the energy I get from it when, when I walk in there. There's, there's a peace. There's a peace about it. There, there's no distractions. For the most part. I've got, I've got two twin daughters. There's plenty of distractions when you go to mass. I don't know what you're yeah, talking about. Mine are good. They're all not, they don't make a lot of noise. They just sit there. <laughs> you got to go in the room. You got to go in the room with the glass in it. In the we back. don't have one. Oh, you don't See, have Patrick, one. Oh, no room. It's no all, room. Yeah. <laughs> They want all the kids in there. That's okay, too. I'm okay with it all. Now, talking about the kids, now, I do want to just brag as a father a little bit here. I, I have twin daughters. Oh, great. One of them, Adeline, before she was born, she put up the pitchfork. Oh, my goodness. In, I've, got, I've got the ultrasound of the pitchfork that I'd like to share that with you here. <laughs> there she is. That you right. Wow, she knew right away, huh? Forks up. We I thought you were going to school. <laughs> we thought you were going to school. <laughs> oh, and I'm a proud Sun Devil too, so that would there be just go. fine there by me. Uh, just, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time, but just for fun here, I, I want to do one little number association here. When you see this number, okay. what do you think of? And this is not a Bible verse. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it, it's almost a curse, right? <laughs> be a curse. And, um, I'm just hoping that going forward, um, it doesn't come back to bite us, right? <laughs> well, on behalf of a grateful Sun Devil Nation, I thank you for 70 to 7. As we like to say, no pity for the kitty. But 
Coach Edwards, thank you so much for being generous with your time with our uh, St. Patrick Catholic community up in North Scottsdale. You're welcome anytime. We'd love to have you. I'll remember that. Okay. I'll remember that. Thank you. Thanks so much, Coach. This has been the conversation with St. Patrick Studio, and we will see you next time.